Hi, and welcome to the 26th episode of Basha's Thoughts. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the idea of a perpetual abundance society. This is something that was brought to my attention through an evolutionary biologist. His name is Brett Weinstein. He talks about human beings as beings that are wired to discover new opportunities. So we're always moving toward growth, always wanting more in a sense. He sees this as one of the essential characteristics, something that cannot be ignored. Furthermore, he tells us that we are also wired to look for win-win opportunities. And this is because these increase evolutionary well-being. Whenever we are in situations when this is possible, we tend to be kind of nice and times are good. These are times of prosperity. But when scarcity arrives, let's say we discovered a new place, a physical place, but after a while it becomes overpopulated, well, then there is no longer room for these win-win situations. Then what happens is another phase and another set of programs that go off inside us. And our appetite for discovering new opportunities is still there. And so to feed it, we now go for win-lose situations and we turn on each other. Now we are in competition. We become tribal and not very nice. And he tells us that if we look at history, we will find that this is what tends to happen over and over. It just finds slightly different expressions of itself. One such example would be the period before the Second World War in Germany, when people started turning on other people, trying to exterminate them. And he would say that this is actually an expression of this human characteristic. And it comes about whenever scarcity arises. So this isn't something that is triggered in periods of abundance and prosperity. Well, if this is true, then, of course, one starts to wonder, is it possible to create a perpetual abundance society where we're only in this first phase, the one where we always look for the win-win situations, the one where we are really nice to each other, and where we get to discover these new opportunities. See, if we could engineer such a perpetual abundance society, then we could stay forever in that first phase and never have to get our other types of programs triggered and have people turn on each other. It sounds really interesting. 
when it comes to this society, we would need at least two different aspects. One has to do with this technical solution. How would that actually work? How would we structure such a society? And the second one is to really make it work with our psychology, to make sure that it can be a perpetual type of abundance situation and not something that works for a while, but then because of human nature or because of something we haven't thought of, we actually go back into this other phase. So the technical solutions, well, I think that there are many new ideas that are out there and being examined at present. We have new ways of organizing ourselves through autonomy instead of hierarchical systems. We have computer power that is able to do all of this for us. We have emergent order systems. We have the wisdom of crowds. All of these tools can be implemented and might be able to help us. Also, if we look at society right now, in episode 18, we talked about this in greater detail, but in society right now, we do actually see a lot of changes that one might even argue are quite positive for us. The economies that are interested in surviving long term are now actually focusing a lot of their resources on expanding renewable energy because in the future if you can manufacture with very low costs because your energy supply is virtually free well, then you can have very low marginal costs. The additional units of whatever it is you're producing will be at a lower cost due to this energy that is so inexpensive. Also, you need more interconnectivity because of the new systems that are coming that are things like self-driving cars and all kinds of systems that talk to each other. And so we see that. We see Germany and China investing in both of these, in renewable energies and in expanding the infrastructure of interconnectivity so that in the future we may expect these countries to have really low marginal costs and the 3D printers that are being developed may be very useful in the future because they too might reduce the costs of things. And ideas in society are changing because of the internet, because of how information is treated now. Before, information and knowledge used to be equivalent to power and Exclusivity was the ideal of freedom, and so it was important to keep things a secret. And secret knowledge was very powerful knowledge in those times. And freedom was this idea of being independent and exclusive. Whereas now, freedom is more about 
having access to things and being inclusive, being able to participate in different structures. And that brings us greater freedom. So if we are able to access the internet and participate in all sorts of platforms, well, that can bring us a lot of freedom. So we do see that society in general is changing. And we know that if our focus when it comes to growth is going to be on natural resources, well, then this is going to be short-lived because these are limited. So when it comes to our appetite for growth and new opportunities, if we want it to be physical, in terms of physical things, well then it will have to be finding new ways of looking at things, finding new uses for things, not creating more. Creating more is, is an idea that is doomed to failure and it cannot be the basis of an abundance society. We know this. But if we do focus on other uses, new uses for things, new ways, new opportunities, new perspectives, well, in that way, we can still focus on physical things. Otherwise, we do have the opportunity of focusing on mental and spiritual aspects because these are not as limited as the physical aspects of our environment. So what about psychology? It's interesting that people sometimes say that communism didn't really work and why didn't it really work? Some people say that there are some very interesting ideas in it and yet somehow it seems to fail over and over in different countries. Well, they say that communism did not really work because it never really understood human nature. And in that respect, this idea of always wanting more in some sense, always needing to grow, expand, find new opportunities. So what would be essential for this psychological part of the abundance society? Well, one part is to actually feel abundant. We would like the individuals in that society to feel abundant. How do you do that? See, just by physically giving them things, you cannot really reach that goal. You could say, well, let's get a basic universal income, for instance. And let's say that we actually make it work so that everyone has food, shelter, and basic necessities covered. Is that going to be enough? Interestingly enough, we can look at places where this kind of happens. I heard about a man who was traveling through Russia and he was going to tiny villages and he noticed that in some villages 
they still had reindeer and they kept the reindeer. So they were actually the protectors of the reindeer. And in those villages, people seem to be happy. They all seem to have a purpose and things worked well. Now there were other villages that also worked in some sense. People were able to survive there, but there were no reindeer. And in those villages, there was a lot of alcohol, alcoholism, and a lot of criminality and violence. And apparently this was quite evident. Only the villages that actually had a sense of purpose and had this very old tradition of keeping the reindeer were able to live in a more abundant way. Also, you see this in societies where, for instance, you have a climate that is quite good and so you don't really need that much to actually survive. People are poor, but they are surviving and you don't need that much to survive. Well, in those societies, you will also notice that often alcohol becomes a problem. Maybe even other drugs start creeping in when there is no purpose, when there is no real connection to nature or to something else, then it doesn't seem to work. And so just, for instance, providing everyone with a basic universal income might not be enough to actually create this abundant society. People will need to feel abundance in some way. How do you do that? Well, in some of these places where you have people who are rather poor and many who are living with alcoholism because they see no, no jobs and no work around them and yet they are able to survive. And so whatever they do make, they tend to spend on alcohol. Well, in those societies, you will also notice that often you will have churches come in. And often it will be some kind of a Christian church, a version of a Christian church. And you could say that these churches also give a sense of purpose for people. And people do become saved. Saved from what? Well, saved from the life of living as an alcoholic person in a little village where nobody has a sense of purpose. Instead, they start doing something, accomplishing things, and feeling a lot better. And so you could say, well, these Christian type of churches are really useful. But then, if you think about it, would this be something that would be interesting in this perpetual abundance society? I would say that this is quite problematic because what we're looking for is something that is perpetual. And so it's not something that only works for a while or in a limited capacity. 
the problem with these kinds of churches is that, yes, they do provide a limited amount of help, you could say. However, in the end, if you look at people who have grown up with these kinds of beliefs, very often you will find that they are very judgmental persons. And when you're judgmental, you're actually acting from fear instead of acting from love. You're actually closing down your heart instead of opening it. And so this is not the opening that would provide for us a feeling of abundance. A person who is in that church defines themselves as a sinner and they define themselves as someone who is lacking. That is sort of the basis of it. It is helpful to an extent, indeed, but it's probably not what we are looking for in a perpetual abundance society that we really want to work. So if these types of religions do not really provide what we're looking for, how do we create this feeling of abundance? Because if all our individuals internally feel abundant, well, that's the key, then we will have a society that is abundant. Yes, we will need the technological solutions and the practical structures around them, but essentially we need the people in these societies to feel abundant. How do we make this happen? Well, if we move away from identifying with any of the roles we are playing and we move into living from who we truly are, if instead of living as a particular person, as a particular type of person, we move into living as our essence, well then we realize that we do not have these limitations. Our essence does not have these limitations. Our essence is love. Essentially, we are not our bodies not our minds, not our thoughts. We are not even our feelings. We are the awareness. We are the love. We are the freedom that we are seeking. By knowing this, we can live from that knowledge. And as we live from that knowledge, whatever role we will play, we will play it as an actor, able to fully engage in every moment without triggering the fears, because we will know that this is a role, this is not me, this is not my essence, this is just a role I'm playing now and enjoying. So by knowing who we are, we can create abundance inside of us because that is the truth of us and we can live from that truth. Then we do not live as sinners because we know that we are love. 
we know that we are what others might call God. Our essence is that, and living from love and abundance, we feel abundant. Much of our suffering automatically becomes reduced. So that's the idea. That's one of the key ideas of creating a perpetually abundant society where we have individuals that are feeling abundant, where we have individuals that feel abundant, and they constitute the abundant society. And the focus that they might have as human beings may actually even be a focus on spirituality, which is inwards of growing as spiritual beings. If that turns out to be the focus, well then, there is no limitation. If we wish to focus on the mental, we can do that. Or if we wish to focus and explore and discover opportunities that have to do with the physical, we can do that too but not from the, uh, the archaic conqueror type of mentality, but from a newer type of mentality that is connected to love, that is more receptive and able to see new perspectives. So what we would be looking for in the physical would be new ways of looking at things. And these ways are also not limited. So our focus in our society doesn't have to be uniquely spiritual or uniquely mental. It can be on the physical and it can be growth-oriented. And indeed it is. If we look at the underlying structure of how the universe works, if we look at the dynamics the dynamics of everything has a direction to it. And the movement is such that it moves towards something that is larger. This is the appearance of it. And so this is deeply ingrained in everything. And perhaps it's this principle that is then reflected in human beings and in the human nature, wanting to grow, wanting to expand, because this expansion is a part of the fundamental dynamics of the universe. I also talk about this in episodes, some earlier episodes, and I talk about the holographic order and how Everything is reflected on many different levels. And so perhaps this principle of the universe is actually reflected in a more physical way in human beings and their appetite for growth because fundamentally we are actually spiritual beings. Thus wanting to create a perpetual abundant society we note that we do have a lot of new technologies around for creating organization through autonomy, emergent order systems, 
the wisdom of crowds, and we have a society that is changing both physically in terms of what countries are investing in and it's changing in terms of ideals as to what freedom is, etc. So we do have movements in those directions and when it comes to the psychological aspects, well, then we do want people to feel abundant because that is the first phase of the two phases. That is the kind phase. That is the phase that does not trigger the negative programs in humans. And so in order to feel abundant, by knowing who we are, we will automatically accomplish that. So moving in that direction, we are helping to move in the direction of creating that dream of a perpetually abundant society. That was it for today. I will talk to you in another podcast episode. Take care. Thank you.